Hey everybody, this is Epic Albums, <laughs> our first episode, and um, my name's Greg Potter, and I'm here with Mike Gemma. Greg, Mike, I'm excited to do this with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. So, Mike, tell us, what are we doing here on Epic Albums? What is the point of this show? Epic Albums, basically, we're reviewing albums that define music and define the history of song. And we got a great album today. My personal favorite artist of all time, Bruce Springsteen. We're starting off big. We're going Bored to Run album. We I are. Mean, we're, we're, we're starting with yeah. big time album for you. Yes, absolutely. And I love this album. And we're going to talk about a lot about the songs on it and the history of it and how important it is to the essence of rock and to music. But I, I, I'm going to have a lot of fun doing this with you. It's going to be. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this too. So. We're going to pick albums as we go through this show, like Mike was saying, and uh, react to them. We're going to kind of talk about the albums. We're going to talk about a little bit of history albums, but we're going to also talk about what songs we like the best. Mm-hmm, maybe absolutely. Some, maybe some of the songs that we think we'll are... We'll spark some debates, some controversy some, between some, us, too. Yep, absolutely. You know? And, uh, yeah, so let's hop in. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Born to Run. Um, Springsteen's third album. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, came out in 1975. Mm-hmm. Um, and a uh, little Wikipedia uh, history for you here um, that uh, Mike and I were talking about this on the way over. Springsteen put out two albums before this, and he yes. was kind of uh, at odds with his record label. He was. I mean, obviously, Greetings from Asbury Park came out. It was a great start for Bruce in the, in the band. You know, had a couple of good songs. Then The Wild and the Innocent came out, and it wasn't one of his better albums, and he was kind of in a crossroads. I mean, he was, his career and was kind of in jeopardy at that point. They were... The, the label was thinking about dropping him, and he was like, "I need, I need something fresh. I need a new idea. I need to find inspiration in a new album. I got to save my career at right, this point." Right. One of the interesting things I read about uh, Born to Run was that the record company seemed to be kind of at odds with him, but they invested a lot of money in this album. They like gave him a big advance to do this, and uh, in 1974, after While the Innocent came out, he took a lot of that money and went into the studio and spent months and months and months. Just recording the song "Born to Run," right? Yeah, that well, that was his that was his prized possession. That was the song he felt was going to put him over the top, and it I mean, it absolutely paid off. It did, yeah, so without he, a doubt. And the thing that's interesting about this album and uh, the context of Springsteen's career up to that point is it definitely sounds different than the first two. He was trying to do something different. Mm-hmm. You hear uh, people talk all the time about bands that have the sophomore jinx, right? They yeah. come out with an album that's real <laughs> successful, and then they're like, "What the heck do I do with my second album?" Because I was a growing artist. I was coming up, and I saved all my best songs for my first album, and I put it out, and people like it, and now I don't have any songs anymore. What do I do next? You know. But this is actually his third album, and uh, it seemed like he was trying to do something that really uh, set him apart and did something new in the Yeah, I agree. You can tell he was doing something a little different from his first two. We talked about it a little bit, Grease for Raspberry Park and The Wild and the Industry. He was kind of Bob Dylan-esque. He was trying to get into that Dylan style of, music and his writing i think the third one he said you know what? i want to make it my own it's time to let my voice be heard let bruce springsteen's voice be heard and i mean the album speaks for itself i mean bruce absolutely took over and yeah, it's just phenomenal yeah. you know? so there was a lot of uh mythology about bruce springsteen at this time because he had his he had the original manager his name was mike appel who's got a yes. uh, co-producing credit on this album and um he and the record company were starting this whole thing where there was a quote from, uh, I guess it was uh, somebody at the record label who auditioned him, said, you know, I've seen the face of future of rock and roll music, and its name is Bruce Springsteen. Iconic, yeah, iconic line, of course. So uh, the record company was kind of using that to promote him, and Bruce didn't like that. He thought it was like 
creating too much of a sort of, of a mythology hype. and hype about him. That's who Bruce was. He was always about, he was a down-to-earth guy, never, was always humble, never wanted the, the praise and the star light that came with his music and his career. That's something he's always, even in today's age, he's been always that same even-keeled guy. Yep, yep. So, yeah, what, what I think is interesting about this album compared to the first two, and we'll listen to some songs, um, is that it has uh, definitely a different sound, and it, this is the album where he sort of, like, defined who he was for mm-hmm. the next decade or more, right? The, the yeah. albums that came out after this are sort of, like... Very similar. ...based in this uh, sort of archetype that he created on, yes. on Born to Run. Um, so, um, 1975, this was released, and um, it was a hit pretty fast. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, marketing around it. It uh, made it all the way up to number three on the Billboard album chart. And uh, one of uh, his best-selling albums, it's uh, sold over 7 million copies... Um, Born in the USA probably even sold even more than that, I would imagine. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the singles from this album, the title track, Born to Run. I mean. And then 10th Avenue Freeze Out was a single from this album also. Um, but uh, I remember reading some uh, things about this album that were uh, about how much hype was happening back then. And obviously, Mike wasn't born yet. I was only... Oh, yeah. I, I did, yeah. I was only a couple years old when this album came out. Yeah. But, um, he was on the cover of Time magazine. He was on the cover of Newsweek magazine. There was like so much hype going around. This really was the album that broke him into the, the mainstream. It brought him into the, the light, and he became probably one of the most recognizable rock stars in, at that time, definitely, without a doubt. Definitely. So um, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, uh, let's get into the, the feel of this album. Like, what do you think makes this album great? Well, I remember the first time I heard it, my dad was playing it, and I always asked my dad, I said, Dad, who's your favorite artist to listen to? You know, who's your guy to, you know, whenever you want to put a song? And he said, well, Bruce Springsteen, without a doubt. And I'll never forget the first time. First song he actually introduced me to is a song we're going to listen to first, Jungle Land. And it's just Bruce's ability to take you to places with his words. I mean, he just creates a picture in your mind. You know, it's, I heard a quote, I think John Stewart said it when he was introducing him into the uh, Kennedy Honor Center. He said, it's just, you're an epic character in a, in a poem of losers. You yep. feel like with Bruce. Yep. It's just, he has a way of de- depicting that feeling. Yeah. This album, and, I think more than any of his other albums, it's uh, that whole theme of, you know, the youth angst mm-hmm. and uh, desperation, the desire to break free. And then there's so many references on this album to cars yes, and, yes. Ro- and roads and escape. That's, right? that's Bruce. That, yeah. Those are definitely... And like you said, the stories of these uh, characters who kind of can't escape the burdens of their neighborhoods or their mm-hmm. cities or wherever they're they're living. Um, and uh, let's uh, let's jump into that because we for the uh, each episode we're going to pick what we uh, kind of think are our top songs, yeah, um, our favorite songs from this album. And uh, Mike, why don't you uh, start here? You mentioned uh, the song already. So Jungle Land, Bruce Springsteen. Um, I mean, what else is there? It's absolutely a fantastic song. Um, I think it's one of it's. We're gonna talk about it, but it's my top three song from this album. It's number three on my list. It's just an epic poem, and I hope you guys enjoy. You guys will absolutely love it. So, all right, let's do this, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. So we started 
epic albums with a pretty epic tune. Nine, yeah. nine and a half minutes of uh, Jungle Land. Um, yeah, what do you have to say about Jungle Land, Mike? I mean, talk about you have to buckle in for a little bit to listen to. I mean, it takes you all over the place, right? It starts off with, you know, Roy Bitton on the piano, right? Incredible piano And you player. made a point earlier, too, that's interesting about this album, if you didn't know, that uh, Bruce says that he... Um, Wrote most of these songs for the piano. Sitting at a piano, yeah. Yes, because he, he had a piano in his apartment where yes. he was living. And he was so Howard Stern asked him about the album. They were talking about Born to Run. And he said the funny thing about it is every single song was originally written for the piano, especially the next song we're going to get to now, Thunder Road. He played it live for Howard Stern. Beautiful rendition of it. Uh, but yeah, Jungle Land, like we talked about, starts off with Roy Bitton on the piano, beautiful, you know, opening, and then Bruce uh, starts off and he, you know. Maxim and Laudman, right, gets into his, his story like Bruce usually does. Starts yeah, off with a yeah. huge ballad, a story of a guy who's looking for something bigger in life and wants more for himself. And then it turns into a rock song. It turns into like a normal classic Bruce rock song, right? You hear Max on the drums. And, yeah. and then there's that know. guitar break in there where yes. you got the lead guitar going. And then, and yeah. Then, and then it goes into what I think would probably most likely be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, saxophone solo of all time yeah, in terms of a rock it. song i mean you don't hear the sax a lot in a lot of rock songs. i can pick out lots of other ones but this one is great i'm a little biased that might be a biased <laughs> take i can see greg was like oh, okay yeah well, well i'm not gonna say anything we'll let him yeah. have that one no yeah, i'm just that's, kidding that's good i'm kidding but uh it does a like you said it, it kind of cycles through every member of the band almost it has like yes. a real um it showcases the e street band absolutely um, and that's what Bruce was always about in those days anyway, about the band thing, and his live performances are exceptional, and um, yeah, it's just a really cool kind of operatic way of showcasing everybody in the band and that storyline. The story, and I mean, you talk about with nine and a half minutes of just straight story and playing and a solo, it, it felt like you were listening to a movie. It felt like you were inside of a small movie yeah. with this yeah. song. That's what he does, is he just takes you on a journey that you just, even though you could possibly be on. So we both had Jungle Land on our list of our top three yes. songs from uh, the album. I actually had four on mine because I couldn't make up my mind between mm -hmm. Jungle Land and this song. So uh, let's do this. We're going to jump into track one. Uh, you and I both had this as one of our favorites, and we'll uh, kind of assess this next. Here's uh, a little uh, Thunder Road. The old Thunder Road. What an opener, huh? Thunder Road. Mike, what do you say about Thunder Road? I mean, what I think of Bruce Springsteen, this is the, one of the first songs I think of. It's in my top five greatest Bruce Spring, Springsteen songs of all time. I mean, he's, his ability to kind of... When I think of this song, when I think of the lyrics, I was taking a look at it last night. I was taking a deep look. It's kind of the idea of growing... Talk about growing up and taking a chance with someone that you care about, you love, and just kind of almost gaining your independence and your innocence at the same time and trying to figure this thing out we call life. I mean, that's really what this song entails, I feel like. Yeah, I've always been, like, uh, the softy guy. I love songs about, like, heartbreak and, uh, yeah. like, teenage angst, all that kind of stuff. And this song has, like, the uh, desperation escape thing that we were talking about earlier. And uh, we were just talking uh, about how... This song, what I love about it so much is it builds up to the final line of the song that it's a town full of losers and I'm pulling out of here to win. Every oh. time I hear that, it's like, 
gives me a little yeah. bit of chills. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Goosebumps. No, because it's just so it's so well done. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's it's just perfect. Yep. Um, and we were talking also a little bit about uh, just the production on um, this album, which is interesting because it's this album is really well known for the Springsteen kind of melding the Phil Spector wall of sound yes. with you know his Roy Orbison style singing and. He even talks a little bit about uh, the guitar on Born to Run, where he was listening to a lot of Dwayne Eddy and like the twangy guitar kind of thing. Yes. But Thunder Road and 10th Avenue Freeze Out, the first two songs on the album, have a different sound than the whole rest of the record. They're more like straight ahead mm -hmm. rock. They almost kind of sound a little bit like the production on the first two albums, where they're kind of dry. There's not a lot of reverb, and they're just like in-your-face rock songs, especially 10th Avenue Freeze Out. That song is just like it's right, right there. up front, but has yeah. such a great vibe to it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's hard to pick a best song on this this album. That's what we were talking about before, yeah. too. I, I mean, they're, like, all, they're all great. They're all great songs. Yeah. So um, I had one of my picks in my top three. It wasn't on Mike's, uh, and I think he was a little surprised. But I was. Um, I'm going to uh, play uh, She's the One, uh, which I think goes back to what I said a minute ago about my uh, love for, like, the heartbreak yes. romance type Absolutely. songs. Absolutely. It doesn't get, and, yeah. Uh, we were talking a little bit about how Bruce kind of puts on this persona of the everyman in this. Um, and this story, and uh, she's the one, is that story of going after the girl who's probably either out of your league or you know isn't good for you, but you're just... You're doing it she's anyway. She's the one anyway. She's the one. Right? Yeah. Uh, I love that about this song. So let's take a listen to uh, She's the One. She's the one there. She, she was the one. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Yes. She was the one. I have always loved that tune. Um, so we were talking a little bit earlier. You were mentioning how um, you first heard this album, and your dad was a big fan. Absolutely. And he had a record collection that you uh, dove into, which is awesome. Um, and Mike and I are a little far apart in age. I'm uh, you know, in my uh, late 40s, and Mike is uh, in his 20s. Yeah, 21. 21 but... Um, yeah. I uh, first heard this song growing up in the late 70s and early 80s. I was really into classic rock radio back mm -hmm. then. So I heard Born to Run and stuff like that. And I remember finding uh, this album uh, somewhere at a yard sale or a flea market or something like that. I was yeah. big, big time into vinyl, and I was always searching everywhere for records. But um, I was showing Mike when we came into the studio uh, before the show. Um, I had a copy of the Rolling Stone record guide from 1982 or 83, mm -hmm. edited by this guy, Dave Marsh, who's a big... Uh, rock critic that a lot of people don't like. Oh, okay. But I like Dave's uh, writing, and he's a huge Springsteen fan. Good. Good. So, like uh, Dave. Yeah. So I remember reading his reviews of the Springsteen albums and kind of getting into them uh, through that. But uh, yeah, she's the one. Also, uh, interesting to mention that there's a lot of kind of talk about um, the Born to Run album, about how he took, Bruce kind of took like existing rock, um, you know, styles and mm -hmm. archetypes and things like that and kind of melded them together or made his own stamp on them. Yeah. Um, and uh, certainly one of the things that's really recognizable and she's the one is that he kind of ripped off the Bo Diddley beat. So okay. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Bo Diddley beat. No, what was so what? Oh, yes, the bump. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Bo Diddley has yes. a song called Bo Diddley. So Bo Diddley. afterwards you'll have to listen to that. Maybe we'll, you know, attach that to our, our show later so that People yeah, people can, can get an idea of what's um, going on here. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely Bruce's take on the Bo Diddley beat, uh, which is yeah. cool stuff. So. I'll have to listen to that. I, I never thought of that. I never 
gave that a listen, but now that you brought it up, we'll yeah. have to we'll have to do some recon. We'll yep. have to Yeah, man. Yeah. So uh We've come down to the Fine. song that we both agree on. This as, is uh, without a doubt. Yeah. We'll, I don't think there's we'll, any. It was on both of our favorites list, so we'll definitely talk about this, and we have to get this song in, so should, should I just go for it? I mean, the song speaks for itself. All right. I think so. Let's do it. title track <laughs> of the album um oh man yeah such a classic and uh what i have to say about this song is like i said earlier i say michael laugh because i say this all the time uh when we're a class together how old i am but yes, um, he does so i have like a good 25 years of listening to this song over you so i've probably heard this song twice as many times as you have and this song is overplayed yeah no it is i understand but um that being said um, I never get tired of this song, which no. speaks to the strength of the song and what a great song it is, because I still hear it, and I've heard it a thousand times, probably literally. Yeah, and, me too. Um, yeah, right I never get tired you. of it. Never get tired of it. Absolutely um, not. Yeah. So, I mean, I th- you can't, and now this might be far-fetched, but you can't, I don't think you could tell the story of rock and roll music without this song. I don't think you can. I, I'll buy that, yep. Because it's just, it's one of those things where, like you talked about, you could listen to it over and over again, but you still, every time he gets to that crescendo, because tramps like us, you're, you're, you're with it. You're, you're up and down. You're feeling it. It's just, it's one of the most perfect. I think one of the, he's obviously his best song, but it's just perfect. Everything about yep. it is yep. just absolutely perfect in this, this song. Uh, I, I, would, I can get on board with everything you're saying. Um, and the crescendo for me, we were talking about, the tramps like us part is kind of the, like structural crescendo of it. But for me, yeah. the crescendo is the line right before that. It's sort of like in Thunder Road when he gets the I'm pulling out of here to win line. The line that kills me every time is that... I know. Um, we'll get to that place where yeah, we really want to go and walk, and we'll in, the walk sun. in the sun. I just, I love that. Yeah, oh, it's sort of it, like... And it's weird, actually. I think you're going to laugh when I say this. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. But I love that image of, you know, the desperation, the teenage angst, and one day I'll get there and I'll walk in That's, the sun, right? So, yeah. And and Bruce kind of talked about this in an interview I just read a couple years ago, and someone asked him, they're like, you know, some of this stuff is about like young teenage or young man things. Don't you feel kind of silly singing this as an old person? And he was like, I really don't, because that feeling never goes away. Like, no, you'll feel at your stage in your life as you're like getting getting ready for a ready job, for careers, and taking and on my own. I'm yeah. thinking about it in my life as I'm thinking about ending my career or doing something else or whatever it is. So that feeling of what's happening next and trying to get there and aspiring and feeling that passion and all that, it's it never goes away. It's still powerful no matter how old you are. Yeah. Um, but the thing I was going to say that you're going to laugh at is I love that image. And there's another famous song that kind of has that same that that just throws away that line of walking in the sun and it's. Um, Cindy Lauper's girls just want to have fun, <laughs> and I love it in that song too. She's like, I want to be the girl who walks in the sun. In one line in that song, I'm like, wow, I that's that. great, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, something it's... about those lines that you just you, you gravitate towards because you're like, that's what I want, yep. you know. Yep. And this song, I I was writing some notes down about it, and we talked about the angst of being a young. I think it's just the essence of American youth, that feeling of uncertainty about what the future holds, and kind of nervous but excited about taking on that next part of your life and that next chapter 
Right. You know, right. and it's the idea of longing for something more of yourself, the desire to make something out of yourself, that American dream. And we talk about the common man, the working man that Bruce has appealed to. It's that idea of holding on to this belief and to just go for it and to live your life to the fullest. I think that's what this song really captures. And it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, every time it's, we yeah. talked uh, earlier about the, um, how many images and how much imagery there is about cars and driving and, you know, the front seat and yeah, from your front porch to my front seat, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and certainly in this song, he's talking about, you know, the highway and, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, le- I love some of that imagery, too, because I'm not sure if this was true in your generation. I'm a Gen Xer, so when yeah. I was growing up and we all first got our driver's licenses, that's what we... I lived in the suburbs. That's what we did. We just... We had nothing to do. Just drive. We'd just get in a car and just drive places and, yeah. and like, look at other neighborhoods. And I love that imagery that he says of, you know, driving uh, through the, the mansions of... Mansions uh, of glory. glory. and suicide, suicide machines, machines and everything. Yeah, because yeah, it just reminds me of experiences that I kind of had just driving around with that, nothing to do. Just that's wondering what Bruce was, that's where your what life was going to take you, right? Yes. And yeah. that's what Bruce could do. He just had a way of painting the perfect picture. Yeah. And maybe there's something more exciting down the road in that other town. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah that's what Bruce always, always believed in. Always common thread in every, basically almost every song he does. Yep. Is yep. either a love song or a song of longing or searching for something bigger than in yourself. Yeah, so we, we talked earlier a little bit about this, too, that, um, you know, uh, it's sort of like Captain Obvious to be saying that uh, what our favorite song is on this album. But yeah. this is your favorite? I mean, without a doubt, it's the universal number one. I think for I think Bruce's this is his greatest song he's had and he's ever done. Um but I think for me, Thunder Road is right there with it. Mm-hmm. Um, love Thunder Road. And I would say another song that we haven't played today, I love Backstreets. Definitely a song you should listen to as well. A beautiful song. Another song written for the piano that Bruce talked about. Right. He actually played Backstreets. Definitely should check it out for Howard Stern on the HBO Max interview that he did oh, with yeah, Howard yeah. Stern. That's a great thing to watch if you haven't seen that yet. I've, 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 I actually haven't watched the whole thing yet. i got to go through. I've oh, seen it's bits awesome. and pieces. It's awesome. Um, and maybe we'll close out with some uh, Backstreets before we're done. But let's yeah. uh, before we get off Born to Run, too, we mentioned earlier about how he invested so much time into this. Um, mm-hmm. And he started with this song and spent months recording it and yeah. uh, used up like a lot of the money that the record Tons company of, gave yes. him just working on this song. And yes. he was really frustrated with it like uh, he said he couldn't like articulate what he wanted to hear using words he was you know kind of struggling with it and uh, yeah but then uh they released this song as a single a long ways before the album came mm-hmm. out uh which was kind of an interesting story that i i don't think i'd heard before um because he was like we said at the top of the show struggling with the record company yes. and then they put this out to just a select group of like FM stations, and it just people got so jazzed about it that they it were built, like, "This is this is the next big thing." Yeah, build all kinds of hype, yeah. and people are like, "Oh my god, this, this is gonna be It's gonna be big." Yeah. yeah, so it's a really cool story. I think it's crazy. You think about it, right? We talk about Born to Run, obviously how great it is. I mean, Bruce was just one day, and I think I was talking to you about how he even came up with the ideas of the, how to write this song. He was messing around. He's playing the guitar. He's back home at Long Branch in New Jersey at the time, and it's about around 1974. And it, I think it was just right after the, the studio put tons of money into, you know, getting this album done and working on this song. And he said the words just came to him. Right? He, and he thought of something, like, for some reason, the image in his head was something spiraling, something spinning. Like, what, what, what's a song that makes you feel just all these different emotions and spiraling out of control, but it's in a way where it's 
exciting and tension, right? That's what Bruce was looking for. And he said he wrote wrote the song in one night. And I mean, we're talking about it now, many yeah. years later. Yeah. It's just incredible. 50, you know? 50, almost 50 years later, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that is uh, amazing. So let's jump into... Um, yes. We talked about what our favorite song is on here. Absolutely. Um, what do you think is the your least favorite? And it's really hard to pick it's on this album because so everything's so good on here. It's so tough because I think if now obviously we didn't do all the songs. If you go and listen to all the other songs that we didn't do, like Tenth Avenue Freeze Out's a great song, and you know Incident of Fifty Seventh Street's a really good song. He actually did a really good cover of that live in Barcelona, Spain, twenty twelve. It was older Bruce. It was when mm-hmm. he was doing his live European tour. Um, I think the song that I wouldn't say is the worst or not the least. It's just it's not as popularized on this album. It's probably meeting across the river. I think right. we both agree right. on that. It's yeah. still a very yeah. good tune, though. It's definitely a great song yeah. to listen to. It's got a great vibe. Um, I think the part that it, it kind of fits into like that Springsteen sort of like storytelling, yes. almost like movie like uh, story. Uh, I just have, for me personally, I have the hardest time relating to that one because it's about like a, you know, a, a crime job across the the river, and it's kind of cool, but it, it it's doesn't, a cool, it, but doesn't it doesn't it doesn't affect me personally. It doesn't. You can't gravitate towards. It. You can't yeah. hold on to it. And be like, oh, that song really has. You know what I mean? Yep. But that being said, still uh, a good song. Great tune. Definitely yeah, a good and song. it's. You also have that kind of thought about sequencing albums, like where you put certain songs in certain places, and this album is like. Laid out really well. Yeah, you kind of have to have a break in there from the just driving of the the album, right? It's yes. like pumping and song after pumping song. You need a little bit of a respite in there. And the one thing that Bruce tried to do um, with a lot of his albums is he wanted them to be told in a story of each song. So each song would go along with his story of each album. If you listen to another album by him, "Darkness on the Edge of Town," if you listen from beginning to the last song, it's telling a story. Each song fits well. Right with each other and that's the way bruce wanted it to be a story the whole way down the album and i feel like this album does the same thing where it's a story right starts off i believe it starts with what's the first song it starts with is it thunder road thunder road okay so it starts with thunder road and then it goes into obviously the whole story of where it starts with thunder road that's one thing bruce would always do is try to fit a story and narrative into all of his songs yeah as you keep going down yeah this all has a lot of uh thematic similarity yes throughout um, so, uh, yeah, I would agree. Meeting Across the River is probably the one that I gravitate towards the least, but, uh, great tune. And then as far we were talking a little bit about deep cuts and, uh, I think my favorite deep cut that, and like I said, growing up listening to classic rock radio, a lot of the songs on this record got a lot of FM radio play, like Thunder Road, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, Backstreets, Born to Run, She's the One got played a lot, Jungle Land got played a lot. The one that I feel like is a, a deeper cut that didn't get played as much that I really love is Night, That's which is a great tune. Night's a great song. Um, I love the uh, idea in that song about, uh, you know, the working guy. He's getting to work late yes. because all he can wait for is to get his paycheck and go out and, and, go like, out and have, take on the night, take on the night, bring just bring on Bruce, whatever yeah, comes. Just right? another it's, theme of Bruce. Another, the, the relationships and the girls or it's the driving out of town or whatever it is. That's the escape. That's from common. The working man's. Yeah, that's uh, common. In trials Bruce's and tribulations. Songs. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Definitely. Um, yeah. So uh, what do you think? How does this rank in the uh, whole spectrum of Bruce Springsteen's catalog, Born to Run? Where does it fit in? So you look at his whole catalog. I think this is the album that put him on the map. I think that is without being said. I think this album turned Bruce Springsteen into Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. 
It's tough because another album that I absolutely adore by him is Born the USA. Mm-hmm. But I think I would say this one is the best because I think this was Bruce at his purest. And what I mean by that is Born the USA, he didn't go commercial on us, but I want to say he kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? He didn't really lose touch of that original sound he had, but you could, if you listen to Born the USA, still a phenomenal album, great songs. He lost that Bruce kind of different feeling of an essence. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It definitely feels more commercialized pop, and he's trying to keep his Bruce style, but appeal of the time of the 80s. So he's playing to both parts. Right. Where right. in 1975, with Born to Run, you felt like this was his. This was this was his sound. This is what he wanted. Born in the USA is a great album, but when you think of pure Springsteen, when you think of who he is as an artist and who he was as a songwriter and musician, I think Born in the USA truly represents who Bruce, Bruce is as an artist. Yep, I, I agree completely. Being a Gen Xer, I think the Gen Xer way, especially if you talk to hipster Gen Xers yeah. who like to <laughs> sort of always poke holes in things and like take the angle of, well, that album's so popular, I like this album because it's not the one that everyone listens to. I'm, I'm just not that guy. So no. I completely agree that, um, to me, this is the best Springsteen album because it sort of it just delivers feels... on what he was trying yes. to do. It's, it's sort of the blueprint for where he went for the next 10 years yes. after this album and um, just uh, killer songs from oh, yeah. front to back. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Born to Run. Great album, good start, Mike. Um, one of your biggest fan, uh, mm-hmm. or your uh, Springsteen, one of your uh, favorite artists, absolutely, um, without a doubt, definitely. And um, so, uh, in the whole scope of things, would you say Springsteen is your number one guy? Oh, the, if you ask anybody who knows me, they would tell you that Bruce is without a doubt my favorite artist of all time. Yeah, without a doubt. That's cool that we were able to start. I feel like that's an episode it's a of Epic right. Albums with your favorite artists. And then we'll get it to, don't worry, Greg, we'll, we'll get it one of your guys. We in. will, we, we will. will. We'll get lots, be, lots uh, of things yeah. in. I, I would say we were talking a little bit the other day about like putting uh, artists into like uh, categories like A list, B list, C list. Yes. Um, and you could be honest, obviously you know where I'm going to yeah, probably put Bruce. Yeah, but Bruce you, is definitely on your A list. Um, I, would, I would say in the scope of like rock and roll music, He's an A-list artist all day long. Yes. For my personal opinion, he like is kind of in between A and B list. So like a B plus. Yeah. I love Which I'll find and I love okay. this album, but as an artist, I'm not like and we're both from New Jersey. So it's kind of like it's whenever tough. you talk That's to people, they're like, You're from New Jersey, you love Bruce Springsteen. And yeah. it's kind of like, Yeah, I like Bruce Springsteen. Not, ba- not Bon Jovi though. No, not, not, yeah, I'm not a Bon Jovi no, fan. We'll talk about that that's later. That's a different day. That's a different yeah. P- please don't make me do an Epic <laughs> Albums episode on uh, no, that's, I'm Slippery bring, When Wet. Wanted Dead or Alive. That's what I'm bringing in next uh, week. Please don't. But um <laughs> but I do love uh, Bruce Springsteen. He's uh, probably yeah, like B plus A minus for me. I've other artists that I really am more passionate about, but um I really like his catalog from yeah. You know, born to run through like Tunnel of Love. That's kind of my zone there. Uh, but this for me is probably the quintessential. That this one, this was what made Bruce Bruce. Yeah, in my yeah, opinion, definitely, definitely. So, uh, first episode, epic albums. This was fun. I had a lot of fun. We I can't wait to do it next week. I got to come up with somebody now. I got to. We started off big with Bruce. Yep, I got to yep. follow it up. So, all right, we will. We'll do that, and we're gonna close this out uh, with. Uh, Another one of Mike's favorites here that just missed the top uh, did, three, right? Really close. We're going to close it out with some Backstreets. But uh, you've been listening to Epic Albums, and uh, I'm Greg Potter. Mike oh. Gemma is here with me. 
And uh, we're recording this uh, from the WooCast studios at Widener University in Chester, Pennsylvania. And uh, I want to thank them. And uh, we'll see you again on the next episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you. Yeah.